the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Grab the, your uh, pen and paper here. Let me give you the phone number. It's 888. That's toll free, by the way. 888-99-RETIRE, 997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. And I'm going to do your emails uh, at the top of the hour, uh, at the beginning of the next hour. So gra- since you have your pen handy and grab it again in a minute, here is my email address for your emails to be answered. On the air, or even privately, you can say, "Hey, don't don't bring this up on the air." I'll I'll do that as well. I, it's every once in a while, you guys are are a bit shy, and I'm okay with that. I don't do that. It's Arif A R I F. That's Arif at tfswealth.com. T is in Tom, F is in Frank, S as in Sam. So tfswealth w e a l t h dot com. All right, here this is an important part of. Uh, Life, right? Language. Everything's about language. You notice the difference between the folks in the jungles and the middle of Africa and middle of the, the, the jungles of the Philippines and Malaysia. Way back when, remember, they didn't have a written language. They might have had words, but language needs to be complete, which means a spoken and a written. So people can read and write. That's why those words go together, read and write. Okay, a spoken and a written. Now, now I say this to you, and you might be sitting there going, oh, "I get it. It's uh, this is a <laughs> this is an English class." No, here's why: because some of you don't realize what the left wing media has done. And remember, I've told you this is how you got to call them. None of this, the left, the left. They call anybody they don't agree with the right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing terrorists, right wing pundits, right wing. You need to start calling them left wing. So here's what the left wing media. And the left wing has done. They changed the word of to, from illegal alien. Remember that illegal alien to immigrant to migrant. Now they're migrant farmers. Now they're migrants coming from Haiti, <laughs> trying to flee Haiti. You're like, huh? How did you get to the United States? We don't have a border, right? You, you understand they have to flee to the closest, safest place. So you don't go from. Whatever, uh, bad days in Nicaragua, right? Trouble, got it. You go into Mexico and that's where you seek asylum. 
You might say, Arif, have you not seen Mexico? No, no, no. Listen, four or five, six states out of the 32 or so in Mexico, they're, they're disheveled. They're a mess. They're in full mutiny. There's riots. There's traitors. I get it. It's the Wild West. Where are those states? Along the border, mostly. So you, you understand the quote, migrants are not coming to the United States for asylum. They can get it in half the states in Mexico. So what are they doing? You need to understand this. What are they doing? Well, they're coming to the United States. The, the name is being changed. You see, a migrant comes and goes. During the harvest of certain vegetables or fruits, they come in, they work, and then they return. That's what a migrant does. An immigrant comes and never leaves. Right? My, my dad was an immigrant, came to this country legally. Somewhere in your history, somebody is an immigrant. They came to this country legally. That's an immigrant. I share this with you because you're letting the left-wing media and the left-wing pundits and the left-wing politicians change the conversation. And when they do that, then they kind of muddy the waters. And here's how they muddy the water. One of the things they do is they bring these illegal aliens into the country. They're going to stay. They're not going to leave. And because they're going to stay, here's what ends up happening. What do you think happens to wages? I mean, do it yourself, right? If somebody could mow your lawn or, or work in your restaurant or work on the on the construction site for less money and be happy, meaning you're not hurting them, you're not abusing them, you're just paying them less money, but a heck of a lot more than they were making two weeks ago. Do, do you think people that build houses? Do you think people that clean houses? Do you think people that clean hotels are not going to want to do that and say, hey, that's a good idea? Of course they are. So then the lower skilled Americans, remember the ones that are trying to get onto the next rung of the ladder, right? Where they want their kids to stand on their shoulders. Cause that's what my dad did. My dad said, listen, I'm making a certain amount of money. I'm doing well. I'm providing for a family. I'm doing a great job, but there's some things I couldn't do. So, kids, stand on my shoulders and you go do them. And then my kids, same thing. Hey, kids, there's some things that I did and some things I didn't do. Hey, why didn't you stand on my shoulders and go get it done? You see, that's what America is about. Sometimes people go up two inches, sometimes two feet, sometimes 20 feet, right? I would venture to say, and being intellectually honest, uh, Barack Obama is one that went 20 feet, right? Dad and mom uh, struggled. Dad was an immigrant, legal or otherwise, nobody knows, but an immigrant came to this country from Africa. Uh, Barack Obama was born probably somewhere in the United States. The interesting thing is, you know, the format of, of the birth certificate, but we're not going to get into the birther, right? They, 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 they label you. you. Just go, gosh, why didn't they just provide it? I don't know. Okay, whatever. Born in Hawaii, I think it was, right? It's born in Hawaii. It's interesting to go from an illegal immigrant, divorced family, no father figure, uh, biracial, so everybody picks on you. It's, that's what they did back then. Maybe today's still in some of the Democrat cities. I don't know. But they, they don't do it. You know, they don't do it everywhere. Nobody cares. Look at your television. Right? Look at the young actors and actresses. Who are they featuring? Biracial kids. Right? So... I'm saying that because Barack Obama is a biracial. He's not the first black president. 
you should be repeating that as well. You should be saying things like, he's not the first black president. I think it's even a greater accomplishment to be the first biracial president because the left, left wing, has been really bad against biracial people. That's really dumb. They're called human beings. And yet the left wing has really picked on these people for a long, long time. So Barack Obama should be, should be proud. President Obama should be proud of where he came from, what he did. He is definitely somebody who jumped up 20 feet, right? In other words, he took it to that next level. It's hard to say for his daughters, right? How, how are you going to accomplish something? I'm going to be king of the world or queen of the world. Okay, that's, that's the next level. So really what they should do is what all of our children should be doing, what you should be doing is making a name for yourself, creating something for yourself. That's clear. But when it comes to uh, this, the definitions of what they're trying to do, right? getting back to the migrant, immigrant, and illegal alien, those are three different types of people. They're not the same. A migrant comes in, usually with a work visa, work, uh, work permit, comes in and leaves. An immigrant comes in to stay. Illegal alien comes here and stays and is not supposed to. Not a bad person, not a child of God, right? Not, not a, a criminal besides, of course, breaking the big laws of coming into this country. I don't mean they're not a criminal, period. They are. But, but they might be a decent father or mother or child. You see, conservatives can separate the two or the three. We can go and say, you, you did something wrong, but you may not be a wrong person. You, you just did something wrong. And the consequences are you have to leave and go to the back of the line and start over. You see, it's very important to think about what the economic impact of allowing so many young people and middle, middle age, right, 20, 30, 40, young people to come to this country because it will overwhelm the health care system it has in these small border towns. It will overwhelm the health care, the education, the public services. In Los Angeles County, we have evidence in our office, our clients, tell us how they are told to give benefits to illegal aliens that we were promised when Obamacare came out. We will not give these benefits, these health insurance, this free insurance to illegal aliens. We won't do it. And they're doing it. We will not give them snip, snap, sniff, chip, uh, all the... the four, three, five-letter acronyms of, of free food, free benefits, free this, free that. No, no, no. We have it on good authority that husband, wife, two kids, illegal or not, but staying here, husband, wife, two kids, it's about $78,000 a year. $78,000. And, and you know what a lot of people do is, that, are, that are criminals, right? That are criminals. What do they do? I'll borrow your child. You borrow my child. Tell them today your name is this. Tell them tomorrow your name is that. And then, now I have three children. Four, five, six. And you get paid for each one of the children. Now you might say, Eric, are they writing them a check? Is it like a paycheck that's auto-direct deposit? No, no, no. It's in free food, electricity, gas, cell phone, rent, free education for them, free cash money. There is cash money involved. Thousands, by the way, of cash money each and every month. So you have to ask yourself, 
when we're doing something like this, what are we paying them? Well, we're paying them dollars. And then they go out and they'll, they'll work. Again, decent people, child of God, I get it. But then they go out and they work at jobs in which a normal, regular, legal, everyday American starts to walk in and say, I can't work for that price. I'm sorry. They say, well, but what do you do? Uh, Well, I'm a laborer, but I'm a real darn good laborer. Or I clean uh, houses or clean hotel rooms. I'm good at it. They said, yeah, but you won't work this many hours and you won't work for this price. So you're out. I mean... Who gets hurt the most? The left wing says that they are there to support minorities. I may have given you the answer in that little story. Who do you think gets hurt the most? Of course. Of course. The lower wages minorities. Look, when I... uh, and, And don't get me wrong. Spanish people, Hispanics, Latinos are some of the hardest working people I know. You have to be intellectually honest. Let's be fair about this. You might say, well, Arif, I don't know. Okay, here's the, here's the story. Tomorrow morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, drive by your local Home Depot, Lowe's, paint store, doesn't matter, and see who do you, who do you see out there standing. Do you see Asians? Mm-mm, nope. Do you see uh, half Lebanese with a mom from Michigan? Nope, you won't see us. Do you see Italians, uh, blacks, uh, Filipinos? Nope. Who do you see? All right, so if you want to carry on a conversation, if you want to enter into this minefield, because it is, right, because the left immediately uses the big R word, everybody's a racist, racist. You agree with me? No, you're a racist. Do you believe what I believe? Nope, racist. That's their day. That's their their mantra. They throw that out to shut you down so they don't have to talk truth. So I want you to always talk truth. And truth is very hardworking people. Now, everybody that comes over the border, oh, heck no. Because they have everybody coming over the border, not for hard work, not to be, quote, a migrant. But they're coming over the border to infiltrate. Right? I believe that there are subversive people. Oh, air if you conspiracy. Hey, listen. I, I, I'm not the one starting fires or shooting up electric power plants or derailing trains or doing all the things in Sabotage Book 101. Right? Go to the World War II Sabotage. What do you do? What do you do if you're behind enemy lines? When Britain has these 16 saboteurs go behind enemy lines, what do they do? Do you notice? Is it just me? Is there something going on somewhere? So maybe it's much harder to come across legally, have your picture taken and your fingerprints and all the other stuff. It is much harder to come across legally and go through that process. Got it? Okay, ask yourself this. Right? When people turn around... And they, they go through this process of creating a life financially for themselves and then, you know, climbing on the ladder and making it so that the next generation goes up. Can you tell me what this looks like when you don't have that opportunity? When people cheated and they go to the front of the line? When they cheat 
and they work for a much lower rate than they ever would have otherwise, when they cheat and they don't pay their taxes, when they cheat and their children are getting benefits, uh, oh, wait, wait, of course we love their children. If this is about loving children, then open up the border and have the entire continent of Africa and India and, and, and other parts, have them all come here then, live in your front yard. You can't do that. So I remember in 2008, we were on the air, I think at that time for probably four or five years. I remember being on the air. I remember talking about this whole thing that, you know, people work for, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 2,000 uh, people across America come across, I think it was every day, something like that, right? That is formula. And they said, the reason is because economically, where they come from, they live on less than $2 a day. And I went, whoa, $2 a day. When the media, the left-wing media, the left-wing business media, the left-wing economic people, the left-wing politicians, when they say that, here's what they, they are liars. Liars. Because they are not telling you the full story. And they know it. That's the problem. And you have to call them that. Listen, you could be polite. I want to be polite and decent and honorable to my family. I want to do that. But I don't want you to think that it's something like, well, you know, they're just missing. They're just stretching the truth and misinterpreting the whole. No, no, no. They are liars. And here's what they're lying about. Ready? Because in 2008, I went to China. Yep. And here I am in China thinking all these people work for $2 a day. And that's true. I was like, son of a gun, you guys make less than $2 a day. And then I said, by the way, what does it cost for an average meal for, for the folks that live here? You know, not McDonald's hamburgers, but the average meal. Bring it in. To you. They said 18 cents. I said, what? 18 cents. And they, I said, is that for everybody? They said, for probably 20 cents, you could feed two people. Now, I thought to myself... If that is what you're telling, if you tell the whole story, $2 a day, but it's 20 cents, 22 cents for two people to eat. Okay, now you talk three meals a day, do the math, square root. Now three of us work and make $6 a day. Oh, well, what about the rest of the expenses? Got it. And then I asked that. They said, well, Eric, that, that uh, income range, they don't pay for electricity and they don't pay for, for gas and they don't pay for their residents. Uh, what? So, yeah, they have to buy their clothes. So they often make clothes or they go to the, they have secondhand store kind of things. I thought, so $2 a day is probably not that bad. Because when they said that, when the left-wing media says that, you know what, what they do is they expect you to compare it to your $60 cell phone bill. They expect you to compare it to your favorite hamburger restaurant and go, oh, I can't eat. You can't even eat a hamburger for $2. I got to spend three days, I get one Happy Meal. The next three days, another Happy Meal. Okay. I don't know what a meal has to do with being happy, but that's good marketing. But ask yourself, why does the left-wing media say that? And you have to ask. Discover the question, discover the answers, and then ask another question because that's what will happen. You'll get the next level of questioning. Because when you bring that many people, millions of people, and they're not flooding, let's be clear, 
They're not flooding law offices with law degrees across America. They're not flooding medical practices and becoming the next foot and ankle surgeon. So, oh my gosh, there's so many foot and ankle surgeons. We're going to have to lower our prices. They're not flooding accountants or financial professionals like myself. They're not. They're not coming here with a suit and tie and a briefcase uh, <laughs> and three licenses and six degrees. They're, they're not coming with any of that stuff. So the top end goes, eh, kind of really doesn't matter, so I'm not worried about it. Uh, it, it it's, it's not a big deal. You see, when those folks came from Poland and Czechoslovakia and Romania and Hungary and they fled East Germany, when they came to the United States through hook or crook, right? Uh, however it is, they came. Legal, illegal, a refugee. I want to be a refugee. I want America. I want to, I want to be a, have my... Immediately, Princeton, you got a professorship. Johns Hopkins will take that inventor. Right? This think tank hired somebody who was a dissident, former KGB. We'll take, we'll take them. But that's not what's happening now. That, that isn't what ha- what's happening. What's happening now is something very simple. Right? There's not a, it, it's the lower rung, which means for them to, quote, eat dinner, you have to have even more in their family working. You have to give them even more benefits. Back when the Soviet bloc was up and we were trying to bring people over to this country or they were fleeing or whatever it might be, the United States would give them a hand up. It would give them two months worth of rent for free or something. They would give them. It had a beginning, middle, and an end. That's it. It would give them a very limited amount, sometimes nothing. And so when that took place, I think you had to ask yourself, what's the difference today? Well, I don't think there is consequences for that kind of action, for coming here illegally. I don't think there are consequences for the lies that were told by James Clapper and his uh, group, right, that purposely tried to overthrow in, in the United States. That's what they did, right? They tried to overturn an election. They used textbook CIA, you know, 101 uh techniques. That's just what they did. And then by doing all of that, by creating all of that, what happened? Well, they kept President Trump from being sure-footed really any month. Every time he turned around, what did he do? Uh, Being sued here, impeached there. It became a joke. And he still accomplished so much I mean, think about it, right? If the left wing no longer has the object because a black appearing president named Barack Obama is president not once, but twice, and not by a little bit, but by a lot. A big part of America said we want him. That's amazing. That's great. When that took place, what did you get? You had a whole group of people who started losing their jobs. Because they, they had a, a job called race baiting. They had a job called Victimization Incorporated. And that job of Victimizing 101 started having less value because people were getting jobs based on merit. And minorities were just as good or better in merit 
than anybody. It was just happening. There's no difference. They're a human being. They studied hard. They did well. You didn't study hard. You stink. (laughs) What happens? It's the same thing. My L.A. Unified School District career as as a student was exactly that. Study hard. You did better. Don't study hard. You didn't. There's no difference. But the left wing's job is to keep people scared. There has to always be another crisis. There has to always be another victim. Like these silly commercials on TV. Will you ever, did you ever drink water from a water bottle? Yes, you did. Did you ever walk in the rain and wear these kind of shoes? Please call our law offices. Like, dang, everybody's a victim. Drive through Las Vegas and what do you see on the bull billboards? You see signs everywhere for car accident lawyers, for personal injury attorneys, don't you? So it's hard. I understand it. But there has to be a change. And I'm going to come up with some of those solutions when I come back. On the Total Financial Hour, I'm Eric Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. Our show on AM870. The answer. We'll be right back. Higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Remember, top of the hour, we have your emails. Give me a, a shout out. Give me an email. Sometimes I'll read them on the air. If you have something you'd like to keep private, of course, you can do that as well. Arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com stands for T as in total, F as in financial, and S as in solutions. So tfswealth as in a lot of money.com. Okay. We're talking about this big influx of migrants, immigrants, illegal aliens that are coming here are reducing the wages. Now, here's what takes place. You have a group of unskilled, unintellectual, not all of them, but they're not getting jobs at your local university. They have to go back to school. They have to learn. Most of what's coming from other countries are not their elite, right? President Trump was was uh, crude and and maybe mean on accident or on purpose when he said, and, and partially truthful, that's where I'm getting, when he said they're not sending us their best. It's true. He could have said it in a more artful way. But Mexico, Nicaragua, Guatemala, El Salvador, who are they sending? The Indians, the native people. Left wings should be up in arms. The native, uh, what, what would they call it? Uh, indigenous people. The indigenous people from these countries are the ones coming to this country, coming to the United States. Uh, and they are, they are being forced out. Instead of addressing that, Kamala Harris... Right, Vice President Harris, you should be on the ground saying, if you send us any more of these Indian uh, indigenous people, then we're going to have a problem. You need to improve your system. But there's a huge business in this 
remuneration. This, there's a huge business in this repatriation of dollars that are coming from the United States back into their country. I think it's about a billion plus per year. They leave the United States. They go to the Philippines. They leave the United States. They go to Lebanon. They go to uh, countries in Africa, all over Mexico and El Salvador, Guatemala. B of A and Wells Fargo's gotten into the business and probably other banks. They're making a killing on it. They charge a fee. Happy, happy. Send the dollars gone. They work here, live many, many to a room, to a house, and they send the dollars back to their country of origin. You see, if you were an immigrant, this is where you'd want to make your home. If you were an immigrant, this is called your future. You're going to learn the language. You're going to go to school. You're going to lay your roots down. You're going to get licensed or certified, whatever it is in your career field. You're going to go back to uh, get, get your degree. Whatever it is, this is where you're calling home. Well, that's not the case, is it? When you're keeping just enough to live on, pay for your sustenance of life, and sending the rest of the dollars back to your home country. But it's a huge business. A lot of people are taking a piece of that. What President Trump should have done is said, listen, we need to build border walls. We need to build a border fence. And you know what? These people are here, and that's the way it's going to be. We'll, we'll get them out later. We'll deal with some things. We'll, we'll organize some things. But here's what we're going to do. Every time you make money and you're sending it back to your country of origin, Bank of America, um, uh, oh gosh, what is that? TransUnion, all of these companies, MoneyGram, Right, Western Union, you guys have to pay us a fee. It's called a tax. 5% back to the United States Treasury. Specifically allocated for the wall. That wasn't hard. Poof, ding, that's it. Well, it's not fair. Well, I'll tell you what. Keep the money here. We're going to make more than 5% in sales tax, income tax. Right? We're going to make more in gasoline. If you spent that money here, we would make a tax. We would make money. You didn't pay income tax when you earned it, most people. So if you're going to send it back via Western Union or MoneyGram or whatever the the other companies have, then you have to pay a 5% tax specifically to rebuild the wall. When President Trump said Mexico would be would uh, build the wall, he would he could have said every country, India, Bangladesh, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Algeria, a- any place, Lebanon, any place that they're sending money they should, back to the that then you got to give us our fee, our peace. And if there's a billion dollars a year, that would be fifty five zero million dollars in tax. Stay with me here. What is 50 million times four years of president? $200 million. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good down payment on the wall. And maybe that would even finish the wall. And my, my thought is, if I can remember right, it would just about finish the, wall, the part of the wall that needed to be completed. And here's what you do. It's not that hard. You keep going with it. And when the wall is done, you use it to boost up the border guard, the, 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 the border patrol. You use it to build up and buy infrastructure when it comes to drones and anti-terrorist capabilities, right? It's a revenue source. I'm not one for big to be big on taxes. 
But when a group of people aren't paying income tax and they're not funneling the money back through the system here and it's gone forever and going to circulate inside of another country, I have a problem with that. So those are my thoughts. I think, listen, for you and your life, your retirement account, how are these people going to affect you? How are illegal aliens going to affect you? They're going to affect you in a lot of ways. Very simply, because if they were working here, if they were living here, if they were part of a union or a pension system or a 401k plan, they would be buying into the stock market, into the mutual fund world. They would be buying into the annuity, into the money market, into the savings account, into the bonds. They would be buying into that system directly or indirectly. Because you, you realize that so many people say, oh, Arif, uh, I hate big corporations. I go, yeah, okay, well, tell me about it. Well, uh, you know, but I'm a uh, union. I'm on the airline uh, pilots union. Okay. Where do you think the unions get their money from when they pay you? Do they just collect dues and they sit in a drawer with, and they lock the drawer? Hey, this is Joe's. Don't open it. Or do you think, uh, maybe, just maybe, they take it and invest it. They buy real estate. They buy stocks, bonds, treasuries, mutual funds, small companies, big companies. Don't you think they do something like that? Hmm. You see, every union, all these... We hate corporations. We hate rich people. Who do you think is the one that is investing your money? Do you really think that? Well, let me ask you. Have you ever worked for a poor person in your life? Because if you have, that's great. But you and I both know that there aren't any poor people that own businesses. They might be nice people. They may not have any money. They might be broke, right? Because business is tough. But you realize that it is small businesses it is middle class. It is upper middle class. It is wealthy people that create jobs and income. It's wealthy people that create opportunity. Now, listen, if you don't have workers, you have nothing. You can be king of the hill, sit in a corner with all your money and say, and we have a big business. And you look out on the factory floor or the business and there's nobody there. So it's a team event. But you can't forget that in this team event, that wealthy people are just as important. All of us have to be honorable. You have to be doing the right thing. But what's going to happen when illegal aliens are a greater percentage of the workforce than the people that actually know how to build a company? Do you think there'll be less companies, less successful companies? And each of those countries that I mentioned earlier and many more have very intelligent business people. The problem is they're not the ones coming here. I mean, you get it? It doesn't mean they're evil or dirty or bad. They're just not the ones coming here. The ones coming here are different people. They're the poor. They're the ones that should be held up and built up inside of their countries. Now, are you being persecuted? Yeah, everybody's persecuted, right? If that's the case... You guys in downtown L.A. or Long Beach, you guys in, in downtown uh, Van Nuys, you should be fleeing. You should be getting in your car or getting on the back of a train, railroad, and going to Mexico or Canada. Get on that Canada train. Right? Because look at the neighborhoods, some of those neighborhoods. And they were bad when I worked there as a policeman 30 years ago. So, of course, there's some tough neighborhoods. 
right? We used to make fun of it because in Northridge, we had so little crime. This is, this is the case. We had so little crime happening that what we used to have in a period of time in one month of homicides in the San Fernando Valley, we used to have in one month, ultimately became what they would have in nearly a year. That was the level of crime that was taking place when you had a proper police management, when you had proper chiefs of police, proper mayor uh, involvement, groups of people that cared about the actual citizens. Well, not anymore, is it? Right? Homeless people would get help. Oh, you don't want help? Then you commit a crime, you go to jail. Uh, You need mental health? Then we had county USC. Right. Once the ACLU sued President, uh, sorry, uh, Governor Reagan in the '60s in California, right? Then we couldn't have the Camarillo State Hospital anymore. Eventually, the 5150 rule came to be, and you started losing the ability as a society to say, if you can't care for yourself, we're going to care for you. It should be churches and communities, but. In the 50s and 60s, it was this, and I'm sure it was abused, right? I I wasn't there. What we see is there was probably abuse, and that was one of the reasons the ACLU came along. After some court cases, after some threats, well, surprise, you're allowed to let people walk around the street, eat out of trash cans, sleep under dumpsters, and boy, what a humane, honorable thing. ACLU, you guys should be dang proud of that. Boy, you're awesome. That man's life right there, yeah, that guy, you made a difference in his life. And instead of fighting for those people, ACLU, you run around and you you tell yourself, well, hey, look, I'm going to make a difference because somebody was called a, a female when she looked like a female, but it's really a male, but I'm supposed to call him a male or a female or an gender this, that. I want you guys to start standing up for these crazies. Right? You have to. You have to really emphasize this craziness of 65. Listen, if you send me a message and you have anywhere near your name, anywhere near your name, they, them, she, her, he, him, I immediately know you're crazy. I immediately know you're a sheep. And you follow whatever the latest gender whatever is. And I promise I can get you offended in 15 seconds. And that's only because I took a 10 second break from the last one. Right. Because you are somebody who is a racist. Certainly a bigot. Oh, wait a second. That's a little harsh. Okay, listen, I know people, a family that would say Arif, that's harsh. Then let's play along. And let's play pretend for a minute. If I ask you, is it okay for a white guy to wear a sombrero? You saw this maybe if you watched uh, on PragerU, right? Is is it okay for... And and the she, her, him, middle class white people, you guys are going to all say, oh, that's cultural appropriation. And while you're telling me how woke and decent of a human being you are, and a female black walks by with blonde braids obviously woven in or died. Are you going to call her out as cultural appropriation? 
right? A Hispanic lady walks by from Mexico, uh, Nicaragua, pretty lady, and, and dyed her hair blonde or red. Red, did you see red? Are you going to call her cultural appropriation? No, because you see you're a bigot. Because if, if that's the... It, first of all, I think cultural appropriation is one of the dumbest things you can ever say. No such thing. If I like to open up a Mexican restaurant, and I'm not Mexican, imagine that. I could open up a Mexican restaurant. If an African-American lady wants to wear blonde braids, go for it. It's supposed to be my job to run around and say, that's cultural problem. Wait, let me see your DNA test. Excuse me, can you back up? I'd like to see a couple of things. Yeah, your ancestry DNA, uh, oh, 42%. Mm. You can't have an Italian restaurant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And don't even think about speaking Italian because you're not. You're 42%. You're nothing, right? Where's the line? Oh, that's the line. You see, you made it up. And then the ACLU is running around defending these ACLU, him, how, her, her, and homeless Eddie walks by. And what do you got? You have a poor guy who's eating out of a trash can and you call yourself, oh, I feel so good about what I did today. I used my law degree from Georgetown. And I'm so giving. And you turn around and you think that you did something today. You're the reason. And I want you guys to call them out. Say, you guys are the reason that there is craziness right now. Because I think, guys, if you do that, what you'll end up doing is pushing back. Because most of the wokes are weak. Most of them are weak. Some of them are evil, but most of them are weak. They're the ones that got pushed around in school. They're the ones that said, tomorrow... Right, the big mean girl says, tomorrow we're all wearing red shirts and everybody wears a red shirt. She wouldn't stand up for herself. She wouldn't say, I don't, I don't like that. She would fight with her mom and say, I need to go to the store and get a red shirt. Why? Because we're all wearing it. Why are we wearing it? I don't know, because Susie said so, we're all doing it. Right, that, that weak girl, that weak person, that's, that's the woke today. Right, the guy who's afraid to stand up when, when he saw somebody being picked on. Right, at the football team or the baseball team. Remember that guy? who saw it, knew that it was wrong and didn't do anything, that's the woke today. No courage, no backbone. Right? They think they have courage and backbone because they stand amongst a crowd and, and throw stones, right? Does that sound familiar? Throws, get her, get him. Harlot, remember that? Maybe that's a story somewhere. You could look somewhere, maybe see that one where people are casting stones and suddenly they said, I don't know, a man comes along. Those of you without guilt, I'm going to summarize it. I wasn't there. I did read a summary of it, though. Those without guilt throw that first stone, right? Pull that plank, meaning a larger piece of wood, out of your eye before you pull the little speck, the tiny sliver, the splinter, before you pull that out of your friend's eye. In other words, take care of yourself first. Clean up your own mess first. Michael Jackson said it. Start with the man in the mirror. Right? If you listen to Michael Jackson's songs today, black or white, right, man in the mirror, those things, those are racist. Those are racist, bigoted, homophobic, whatever. Oh, my gosh. You listen to Michael Jackson, uh, he would have been banned. I think we should have banned him. We should ban him now. I'm not talking about his... 
extracurricular activity with children. I'm talking about, you know, the words he used. My gosh, cancel that man. When are you guys going to do that? When, when are you going to cancel that man? Right? They still give him awards. They let him talk. They clap his hands. Right? They, they listen to everything about him. They call him the best guy around. You got to think about this. When are you going to stand up? Because somebody needs to. And I think part of your family, family legacy, in the end, when it's all said and done, just like the people who stood by in Nazi Germany, just like the people, the Vichy in France, remember those? Just like the people that went about their business in other countries, in Austria, and they sat there and they watched their neighbors' property being taken, their neighbors being canceled and, and whisked away to never be seen again. They were afraid to stand. There were very few bad guys in the, in the town on the early days. There was a lot more good guys, but they were weak. They were quiet. And they were cowards. You see, your financial life, my job, is to make sure you have money coming in every month, come heck or high water, doesn't matter, and nobody can take it from you. You could stand up and fight for kids at the school board. You could stand up and fight for this craziness and equity and water distribution. You realize that they're saying now, oh my gosh, they're saying the electric bill and the gas bill, I know you're not going to believe this, is racist. <laughs> Have you? Those people should be laughed out of office. They should be shut down as anybody with common sense. They should be run out of town on a rail, literally or figuratively, if we had a rail. We can start with the rail line in a place called East Palestine. Right? When you see inconsistency and cowardice, why do you think they act that way? Why do you see a natural disaster, environmental natural disaster, by blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline? An environmental natural disaster by lighting fire to the most toxic chemicals we've seen on this earth in a hundred years. And the environmentalists, no, no joke, the environmentalists disappear. Right? Their voices are nowhere to be heard. When you see the left-wing cities of Jackson, Mississippi, Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, you see the left-wing cities that run toxic water to the homes of minorities. And instead of standing up and fighting and calling the, the mayor and the city council and all those people crooks, the, the crooks they are, right? Many of them thieves, many of them corrupt, stolen. Why does it? Oh, oh, because they're, they're left-wing also. Ah, okay, so they can't be crooks or racist when they're delivering poison water to minorities that live there because they are also left-wing minorities. Whew, man, this is like a... It's almost like a game of Clue. You got to keep, keep your little game card close. Right, imagine for a minute if you lived in Flint, Michigan, Jackson, Mississippi. You had your own income. You couldn't care less if somebody canceled you from your job. 
right? Social security, maybe one or two annuities from us, maybe some other income streams from us, right? Maybe a life insurance policy was paying you, maybe reverse mortgage, whatever. You had other streams of income that who cares if they pay you, uh, right? If they cancel you or fire you, nobody can take away your livelihood. And you could go before those people in Jackson, Mississippi, in Flint, Michigan. You could stand there in East Palestine before the EPA. You can state the truth. You can fight for what's right and not worried about losing your job. Many of you today come to me and say, Arif, I would be. And listen, there are some of you that are Hollywood actors and actresses. I get it. I know you're probably listening. You're good people. But that's the cesspool. (laughs) It is. You know it more than me. That is the weak. The woke in Hollywood is the weak of humanity. The, the, The woke of Hollywood is the cowards that we've feared in any kind of novel you would read. So so I want you to stand up. I want you to fight these people because you see what happens as it permeates everything, right? When General Miley of the United States government, when he becomes the most powerful man in the world, because it is not Biden. Let's be clear on that. It is not President Biden. It's General Miley having the, the puppet strings pulled by who? Susan Rice, President Obama, Valerie Jarrett, and there's nobody there to stand up for them because they're all afraid. right? Remember, they're the cowards. They're the ones in high school that watched a bully pick on other people. That's today's left wing. That's today's college grad. That's today's Buttigieg. That's, the, that's today's Kamala Harris. That's who they are. So please stand up. Give us a call. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me after the break. The Total Financial Hour. After the break, your emails place for news talk and information Arif Hallaby that's me on AM870 the answer learn about financial power total financial hour now higher income strategy learn from Arif Hallaby learn about financial power total Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Arab Hallaby, the total financial hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. What's going on to the nation? How does it affect you, financially speaking and otherwise? Well, you send me your emails. And when you do that, I get a chance to read them and answer them. Sometimes I'll answer them directly to you. Sometimes if it fits with what we're talking about and if it makes a difference to others, I will answer it right here on the air. And I think that's a good service that you do for others. So thank you for reaching out. Thank you for doing that. It makes a big difference in the lives of other people who might be struggling with the same ideas or same questions. And it helps me to know what you're thinking as well. Send me your emails at Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. So Arif, A-R-I-F, at T-F-S, wealth, as in a lot of money, dot com. 
Okay, guys, uh, this is an interesting email. This is from Jim, and, I, and we're finding it more and more as people are uh, finding their lives different than they originally planned. Right? You know that? Things change. You, you grow up, you get married, you think life is going to be a certain way. Well, things change, don't they? Well, let's talk about that here. Dear Arif, I'm a single dad. I'm 50 years old. I have two boys. I've always wanted to teach them about the proper use of money. Now, that includes the ability to earn enough money to save for their own future. Is there any advice you can give on teaching two teenagers the value of saving? I want them to learn from my personal accounts as well, and we are very open about those kind of topics in our family. I have $625,000 in my old company retirement account. It's called a 401k. And I would like to do something with it. My new company has a plan as well. I only have around $22,000 in it and it's in various mutual funds. I plan on staying at this company for the rest of my career. That's about 20 more years. That means he's going to work. Let's say to taking a pause there for a second, guys. That means he's going to work for about uh, 20 years. That gives him about age 70. Okay. So you'll see why that matters. I'm sure he probably did the math and why he, why he brings that up like that. All right, continuing with Jim. My goal is to have this account create income for me for as long as I, uh, as long as I live and when I start Social Security, both beginning at age 70. All right, let's see here. I have enough money for emergencies, around $90,000, sitting in my savings account. My goal is to move one more time and buy a different house. I'm not sure where or what, but I don't think I will live here through retirement. I don't know, should I keep this house or sell it? I should have enough money for the down payment when that time comes. Okay, let's answer Jim's email, guys. Let's take a look at what we have. So let's break it down. We've got a couple of things. We have a, a single dad of two teenage boys. His goal is to teach them. That's nice. His goal is to teach them financial well-being. Uh, look, it, in the old days, I mean 100 years ago, not forever, just 100, 120 years ago, if you were a plumber, your son was expected to be, think about it, a plumber. So your son would start helping you. Hand me that tool. What tool? Well, this is called a wrench. This is called a screwdriver, on and on. Your son would learn. He would be with you after school, maybe during the summers, during the weekends, holidays. He would help. And eventually through being uh, through a program called an apprentice program, sometimes two or three years, then become a journeyman, meaning he or she has their own tools and can do their own work. Both things are required, the tools and the knowledge. So there used to be schools that were put in place for young people that wanted to do this, but didn't grow up in a household where dad was a plumber. So they would go to school. They would become an apprentice. Somebody would hire them, often at a way lower wage than they would learn uh, that they would earn if they were a journeyman. And then over time, one, two, four years, whatever the plan was, whatever the, the, the structure was, they would become a journeyman. And along that way, they would acquire tools. And most journeymen would, through various ways, thanks for helping out with that tough job. It is your six-month anniversary. They would give the, that person a tool. You wouldn't buy them a chocolate cake. You would give them a tool. 
And that tool that you gave them was to allow them to fish for their own food someday. You get it? Give a man a fish, teach a man to fish. You can't teach a man to fish and then take away his fishing pole and say, well, go fish. So the teach a man to fish came with the second component, which is giving them the tools. So a good journeyman goes along and mentors young people and every once in a while might provide them a tool. Every once in a while might give them a hand-me-down or the, I have three of these so you can have one. Right? Okay. How does a dad do it today where kids are going to go on and do other things, other career choices, but how do you still give them the tools? Well, you do it because today we are all paid with money. Now, Jim, I'll get to how to teach them a little bit and uh, how to teach them in a little bit. But I think you need to clear, be clear on this. The rules have changed. It's no longer you just went to school and became really good at being a plumber. So when I needed plumbing done, I gave you a ba- bushel of wheat. It doesn't work that way. I have to sell my wheat for dollars, get my dollars. You come over, you do plumbing work, you sell your plumbing for dollars. I give you those dollars. Then you go and get to buy your own goods and services, buy chickens and pay your electric bill, and on and on. So that that shift where the skill set made all the difference to your financial well-being, your status in life, was how good you were at your career. Today, it is not about that. Today, you can be an amazing artist, an incredible painter. You can be an amazing plumber. I mean, gosh darn it, you are somebody who really knows plumbing, but mismanage your money, and you're broke. You're broke, right? Is McDonald's in the hamburger business? No, they are in the real estate. They are in the franchise business. They sell supplies, straws and buns and cups to the other franchises. The franchisers are guaranteed consumers of the corporation of McDonald's products and services. The the, the hamburger is just a, a tool to raise revenue So that McDonald's can collect, stay with me, the rent. Get it? There are some hamburger chains that are in the hamburger business. That means they want the best quality hamburger. That's all they focus on. Now, there isn't one on every block. There's one. You know them. Or two. There was one I used to go to. I think it was called John's Hamburgers. It's in the San Fernando Valley. An amazing place. But there was one. Always a line if you didn't get there early. One. So I think you have to realize that some businesses, some people are in different businesses. It might look the same. Oh, that's a hamburger restaurant. That's a hamburger restaurant. No, no, no. One is in the real estate business. One is in the hamburger business. So ask yourself this, Jim. If you're going to teach your kids, what business do you want them to be in? I think you should teach them to manage their own money because today... That's how we are paid because today everybody is paid in dollars. Whether you have a high school GED or a high school or or a college PhD, both of those people go to work and they are paid in dollars. Why is it that some people come to my office, they make $20,000 a month and they're broke? Arif, I don't know how to live. How do people live in the Santa Clarita Valley? How do people live? In Southern California, 
Glendale, Burbank. How, how do they live in Whittier where, where they're only making 20000 a month? It doesn't make sense. I'm, I can barely get by. And there are other people that make six or 8000 a month and they're living wonderfully. They have a happy life. They travel. They live life comfortably. They do things. I, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm saying one is in the hamburger business and one is in the money business. Right? So I want you to learn how to be in the money business. That means how to manage what you get so that you can live the life you want to live, so you can be what you want to be and, and create what you want to create. Okay, that's a very important component to this. All right, he's not going to, uh, Jim is not going to start income until age 80. That means, uh, age 70 rather. That means I have 20 years to take and to build this account. All right, so what would I do? So for a lot of you, these company plans, these company retirement plans that you have at your job, you're allowed to borrow for any reason. I want you to only borrow for emergencies, but you can borrow for any reason half of what's in that company plan up to $50,000. So that means if you have $30,000 in your company retirement plan, you can borrow half or 15000 If you have $80,000 in your company plan and you want to or need to, you can borrow 40000 That's half. If you have a hundred, you can borrow fifty. What if you have 300000 in that plan? Can't, how many? Yep, 50. That's the maximum. So it doesn't matter what you have after 100000 The most you can ever borrow is 50000 period. All right, so what do I want you to do? Now, first of all, you have to still be working there. If you have a loan by an old company, you have to pay it back or it becomes a taxable event. So if you have an old company, you used to work there, you borrowed money two years ago, you left, you have to continue paying that back or whatever's left that you didn't pay back is now given to you in a 1099. Okay, what if you didn't borrow? You have an old company plan. Now you're working somewhere else and you say, hey, I want to borrow that money. Sorry, you cannot borrow that money because you're not working at that company. So here's what we do. Jim, I'd like you to take about $100,000 and you roll over, you take $100,000 from your old retirement plan and roll it into the new retirement plan. So immediately the balance in the new retirement plan is $122,000. So you can borrow, if you want, half or $50,000. So it's just kind of a backup plan. It's just an emergency plan. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe you do. Maybe it's part of what you use as a down payment on your next house someday because you can only borrow from a plan in which you are an active employee. So what do we do with the other 550000 I would put that into an indexed annuity. Now, some of you are like, he always brings up indexed annuities. True, it's kind of like a mechanic that repairs BMWs is always going to tell you about, guess what, BMWs. But my main core component and the products we use are about safety first. So there's other things. There's CDs, there's money markets, there's savings accounts, there's credit unions. There's other products and services that we would recommend. But safety is the first priority, not losing money when the market goes backwards. So here's what I would do, Jim. By moving 550000 over, when you turn 70 years old, 20 years from now, that account should give you in the neighborhood of 80000 to $100,000 a year in income for the rest of your life. 
Now, 20 years from now, maybe it's worth half of that, but it wouldn't it be nice to have a $50,000 a year pension someday? Yeah. Perfect. So that's the job of this money. The job of that 550000 is to give you a lifetime income stream. Now, you can start income payments from that annuity later on and then stop it or, or if you pass away, whatever's left goes to the kids or whoever you want it to go to. A lot of people are coming in lately and thinking that if they start income from an annuity, they give up the principal, meaning they give up the account and say, that's it. I had $100,000. I started income. I get nothing else. No, that is not true. Now, if you annuitize an annuity, then yes, it's true. But most of the time, you don't have to annuitize an annuity. In fact, I want to say one time I've done it in 27 years. <laughs> once, maybe. Maybe twice. But, I, but once, I know for sure. I still have that lady come in. We still talk. And she's still collecting her $500 a month from that account. So she's done really well. And you can always separate out these accounts into those two different buckets later on down the road if you want to annuitize it. But right now, that's not what I would do. Right now, I would put 550000 into a 10-year account. You have 20 years. Let it keep growing even after the time that you select, 8, 7, 10 years, 9 years, whatever. It grows, it grows, it grows. And if the market is negative, it stays flat. What kind of fees do I pay, Arif? No fees. Ha, ha, ha. You don't work for free. You are right. We do not. The company's going to always make more than it gives you. Did you know that? I know it's not a shock, but, <laughs> but companies are in this business to make money. And that's how we are paid. So they're going to make more than they give you. That's how they survive. That's how they pay us. But we do not take fees from your account. If you put in 550000 Jim, tomorrow it still says, 550000 If they gave you a deposit bonus, then you might even have more money in that account. Six hundred, seven hundred thousand, but it's added to the principal. So let's recap. What's the job of this money? By moving over $100,000, it provides the opportunity for you to borrow from it later on, if you need it. If you don't, that's fine but it does give you the ability to borrow from it. All right, now what about the literacy, the financial literacy for the kids? Guys, you have heard me recommend in the past a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. He was speaking once and said, uh, a lady came up to him afterwards and said, this is not a very well-written book. I'm an English teacher from XYZ College and I was asked to come here and I just want to tell you, I read this book and it's not a very well-written book. He said, uh, ma'am, with all due respect, what does that cover say? It says number one best-selling author, number one best-selling book. Do you see that right there? Didn't said best, didn't say best written book. It said best selling book. If I wanted to write a best written book, I promise you it would have never sold. Not like this. And he was kind enough and then walked away. So, I, I get it. Listen, you're going to have your own little commentary on it. That's fine. It changed my life. So much so that my wife and I started a scholarship fund for, that ran for many years. It was a four-year scholarship for strangers' kids to go to college. And that's important because it wasn't my kids. To, they were babies still. But we did it because that book, in, our, in the honor of that book, 
And in my parents' honor, we wanted to start a scholarship fund to help those that might have needed just a little bit of help. And it was character-based. Someday maybe I'll tell you more of the details. I think it's a great idea. I heard it from somebody else. Somebody else did it for their sister who had passed away from leukemia. And I was still broke and still learning and still growing in financial world. And I remember hearing about it. And I said, one day I want to do something like that. That's a great idea. So we modified it a little bit and we started it based on, on his idea. So I thought that was great. So I want you to read, uh, I want the kids to read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay, not once, but probably twice because it took me a couple times to get it. It changed my financial life, really increased our income and did a very big number on the way I think. And here's the other part. The kids need to start a small business. Just like you guys need to start a small business. Oh, Eric, I'm retired. I'm done. Okay, may I tell you something? I never want you to, quote, be done. I always want you to have a small business, something somewhere. It might be your real estate business. It might be a handcraft business. Whatever it is that you are doing, I need it to be a small business. And you meet with your CPA and your tax advisors and you talk to them. And here's why. Because the whole idea about wealth in America and success is built around the tax code. And the tax code is written by small business owners. And small business owners rule the world, financially speaking, Okay, because who, writes the, who, who uh, writes the rules? Rich or poor people? Yeah. And they create great benefits if you do it correctly. So that's what I need you to do. I need you to understand that rule. I need you to understand how the system works. And I want the kids to know what's possible. Look, Jim, you can teach them some things. That's what you're good at, of course. Even, some, even a lot of things. But you work for a company. So teaching the kids entrepreneurship is probably not your strength. Right? Teaching them to be their own boss, probably not your thing. Save a million dollars before you're 40 years old, probably not your thing. But you can guide with values and with character and guidelines, right? You can guide and, and direct them in the dire- in the direction where you can at least build the curiosity and build the right thinking. So make sure they're reading books by Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the other, uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great beginning. There's other books that are specifically di- designed for kids. You decide you know, what the uh, maturity level and intellectual level of your children are. There's a, there's a kid's Rich Dad, Poor Dad version too. Uh, but I think it, it goes more towards the age of eh, 12 or something, 10 or 12 years old, maybe 8 or 12. Um, you just decide what their intellectual ability is. Okay, here's the other thing I want you to do. Remember I told you to start a small business. I want them to be okay with failing. So you have to look back the way you've raised them and see if you've given them permission to fail at something. Because if you have and you've given permission to, for them to quit something, then they understand that their skill set and their ability is different than the other child, and it's different than yours, and it's different than their best friend down the street. And by doing that, they get a chance to try. They can go this way, nope, this way, yes, this way, nope, this way, yeah, up, oh, got it. Because they might start a small business in one area, 
right? Uh, making something that that is going to work for. Uh, I'll give you a good example. I had a, a friend who was a fly fisherman, and he was a kid. He was a high school kid, and he would make these tie. He tied these flies, and people were paying a hundred, two hundred dollars for these flies. They were amazing. They worked very well. However, it was he figured it out. He used whatever material, and he used that money. Ready? Follow me. He loved it. He was good enough. He used that money to pay for flying lessons. Then he used the flying lessons and he did something pretty amazing. He joined the U.S. Air Force. And in the U.S. Air Force, he became a fighter pilot. Now, after college, joining the Air Force, becoming a fighter pilot, and cont- uh, guess what? He now fly fishes and ties flies and sells them now and again, and he's a pilot. Uh, I won't tell you where he flies because it, you might ultimately figure it out. But you see how you can use your passion to fuel another passion. He may not decide I'm going to ever be the best fly fisherman in the history of mankind, but I can tie flies good enough to save money to do something else, right? So all of that to say, give them permission to fail. Give them permission to change their mind. Give them permission to stop, back up, and go forward and try a different direction. And men, I want you to treat your daughters the same, right? Women, I want you to treat your daughters the same. I don't want you to put your sons down as if they're, they're, especially if they're white, some of you woke women, right? The, the school boards are being ruined by woke women. Take a look at, at the ladies. Uh, take a look at the people in these transgender, crazy strip club uh, things they call uh, teaching with a transgender, transvestite, whatever they call them, right? Look at your child in there. Who do you think is in there? A strong man who's a construction worker? A man who's an attorney, a business leader? Um, no. No, a woman who is guilty about whatever. Single mom usually. Usually divorced. Usually hates men. <laughs> I mean, this is all a stereotype. I know it, but just check it out and see. And they take the innocence of their poor child and they put them in this crazy room. So men and women, give your daughters permission to be strong. Give them permission to succeed and to fail. And then they open up their small business and then surprise, they're going to take a chance. They'll start down one road, make a mistake, back up, try again. Before you know it, a fly fisherman turns into a pilot or a kid that used to do things for his skateboard, another one of our clients, later became one of the top manufacturers in aerospace of the particular part that he he makes. Makes seven figures a year and he started doing things in his garage for skateboards, which led him to here, which led him to there, which led him to manufacturing, okay? So do you see what I'm saying? Stay with me after the break. I have your emails. I'm Arif Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Stay with me. A very interesting, a bit of a sad email, but I have some hope when we come back. I'm Arif Hallaby. We'll be right back. Strategy, I'll retire comfortably.
Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Arab Halaby, the total financial hour, your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, the answer. Thanks for being part of the show. I appreciate it when you send in your emails as well. Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. And uh, you guys had a lot of great things to say about our uh, recent interview with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Tipton. So I appreciate that. It was a great experience to interview him and be a part, have him be a part of the show a few weeks back. So, so thanks for being a part of the show, uh, listening and, and sending in your comments. All right. This is, uh, I hesitated bringing this to you because it's, it's a little sad. And um, so I want to preface it knowing that you know it's sad and, and I know it is uh, because it's a real person, right? These are real people. And uh, I think you have to be okay with that, that, that real people suffer and real people have pain and real people are scared financially. So it's okay to be scared financially. It's okay to be unsure Right, a lot of people go through that part of their lives, and and that's that's part of life. What I don't want you to do is to be in a sinking boat, and instead of trying to repair the holes or bail out the the water, some of you just keep putting holes in the boat. I say, you know, right? The old adage: when you're in a hole, stop digging. You know, don't make things worse. You know, I can give you a bunch of little stories that people have said over the years to make it clear to you. But the the bottom line is, if you're in a bad situation financially, you stop the things that are leading to the, wait for it, the bad situation. Okay, so kind of keep that in mind when we go through this next email. I don't want you to make dumb decisions on top of dumb decisions because you're the one that's going to suffer at the end. All right. This is from Jen. Dear Arif, I've been married 42 years, and I have just found out that my husband has been a phony all of these years. He lied about his faith, he lied about our finances, and he lied about his day-to-day activities. I'm unsure how to begin the rest of my life, financially speaking. It has been about a year, and the settlement I just received is about $780,000. That includes the money from the sale of the house and the disbursement of our retirement accounts. I have my three children, but I do not want to live with any of them. They have all offered. They're all good people, but they have their own lives. And I want to try to do this on my own. Should I buy or rent, continue to rent? I'm currently 63 years old and I'm scared about retirement. My social security income is going to be around $2,800, but at the age of 70. I currently earn about $60,000 a year and my company has a retirement plan called a 401k. I think I'm going to have to work at least until age 70. And I know my future is going to be very different than what I thought it was going to be just a few years ago. Thank you in advance for your advice. I hope you can help. All right, guys. That's Jen. 
I told you it was going to be a little sad, huh? Sorry about that. But there's hope, and I'll tell you why there's hope. There's hope for a few reasons. There's hope because there's answers to this dilemma. But I want to start by clarifying some of this because some of you might find yourself in this situation or soon will find yourself in this situation. I'm not going to go into the reasons that uh, he was a phony about his faith or, or a phony or his day-to-day activities. That's, that's her own personal things. Uh, you're certainly privileged to allow your own uh, imagination to run wild, but he was just a dishonest person apparently. Uh, and also you're going to say this, and I'm, I'm not going to blame you because I'm going to think the same thing. 42 years is a long time to play cover-up because somewhere in there, she must have known something or even a lot of things. Sometimes, ladies, you guys think you can change him, right? I'm going to change him. He's a good man. Underneath all of that, he's a good man. Underneath this, and and if you really got to know him, and when he wasn't drinking, and when he wasn't this, and when he wasn't that, so so there's all sorts of ways and things that people do to cover up, to hide, to kind of create stories But we're not going to talk about that. I want to talk instead about the financial part of it. Because I think part of this is important for you and for me to understand. And it's this. She's going to have to work till age 70. There is no question about that. And maybe beyond. Because currently she earns 60,000 a year, which means she can at least make 60,000. Now maybe maybe she's pulling money out of that 780 to live on each year, but I'm not ex- she didn't indicate that. So so let's say she needs $60,000 a year to live on. That's 5,000 a month. Social Security is 2800 a month. Well, we need the other monies. What are we going to do with that? We're going to need another $2,200 a month to come from somewhere. That's going to be part of the retirement account, isn't it? So I want to be able to set that aside. We're going to have to let it grow. Now, you guys, let's let's be clear on a couple of things. You might have heard of something called a qualified domestic relations order, QDRO, also known as a quadro. All right, a quadro comes into play, for example, when you have a pension plan or a 401k where the assets are divided. You get 200000 I get one hundred. We get 50-50, we get 70-30, whatever it is, and it's divided. Those dollars that are in there that are divided, okay, pretty important. Those dollars that are divided need to be approved by a judge or you will be taxed on it. Need to be approved by a judge or you're going to get slammed on it in taxes and and in in, uh, penalties and stuff. So I don't want you to make that mistake. Right, people do, and it's it's a, not a small mistake. So make sure you do it properly. Make sure it goes from company to company. A good financial professional knows how to complete these forms properly. Knows how to notify companies. Uh, knows how to have a, a professional quadro. Sometimes they're paralegals. Uh, rarely are they law offices. Many of you will have an attorney do your quadro, but your attorney does not do it. I've never seen it anyway. They hire a service who only does quadros. So you can go to the company, the service, you know, by yourself. We know a couple, any financial professional that is worth their salt knows one or two or three, four good 
quadro firms. So if you hire, if you tell your attorney to do it and they're going to charge you for it, they add more to the fee. So they take some and you take some. What is a normal quadro cost? Probably less than $750 or so. I know you're going to say, Eric, that's crazy because my attorney just charged me $2,000. I just told you the attorney's going to take a piece on the top of it for doing nothing, just passing it on to the quadro company. So there's a lot of good quadro companies. Do your research and make sure you can go directly to them. It will save you well, at least $1,000, $2,000 or more per quadro. You know, if he worked at Disney and then Boeing and all of those organizations need a quadro. So there's going to be multiple ones. But if you're just doing it from an IRA, an individual retirement account, where you're separating my money, your money, right? You keep this one, I keep that one. You keep this one, I keep that one. Then you're not going to need a quadro because a quadro has in it a whole series of uh, instructions, legal instructions that allow the company that's releasing the funds to, to do it the right way and not get in trouble because they can, they can get in trouble if they do it wrong, right? So it passes the buck. Everything is about finding somebody else to blame for it, right? That's what it's about. So that's important. All right. Keep that in mind. you should be doing a couple of things. Number one, ask yourself this. When I leave the marriage, if I leave the marriage, how do I have to plan financially to not be homeless? Now, according to uh, many layers of statistics, you need to ask yourself this. Why is it that the number one cause for poverty is a single mother having a child out of wedlock, right? A, a woman having a child, a teenager especially, a young woman having a child out of wedlock. That seems to be the reason that moves people into poverty. What is another reason? Well, this is my experience, 27 years, I'll tell you. Simple enough, just my observations, my experience. It's women that divorce later on in life. Kids are gone, good or bad relationship with them, right? Because usually one or two kids, three kids, one of them takes my side, two his side, her side, his side, our side. And the kids get involved. Now you don't have the support. You can't see your grandchildren. So men or women, but it seems to be today because I'm dealing with a lot of ladies in their 60s and 70s. When the divorce comes, if it comes, you have to protect yourself. So what I need you to do, even if you're in a yucky marriage and you're planning on leaving soon, get your skills set up. Go back to school. Get that license again. You had a nursing license. Go back and get it. Renew things. Get that uh, certification. Whatever it is, start preparing financially so that if you have to leave, you're not going to go and work for minimum wage at a burger place. Okay? I want you to get some skill set. I know it's scary. Take classes online. Do it on your cell phone. Do it in the middle of the day. Do it at night. You take classes. You get your certification. You go back to school. Become something that somebody says, I'm willing to pay her $25, $35, $55 an hour. You have a lot of experience. My gosh, you have a lot of skill set. And people forget. So here's what I need you to do. I'd like you to rent 
until you know where you want to live. Right? Which child is going to be on your side? Which grandchildren need you the most? What area do you want to live? Do you still want to live in the same neighborhood that you used to live in for so many years? Is your church or your organization still an important part of your life? Or is it time to find a different place to worship? You notice I didn't say none, nothing, or something. No, no, no. It's something or something. Here or there. Not here or nowhere. Because you need a supportive family, church family. You need that organizational structure of people that love and can uh, care for you unconditionally. Okay? That's important. And Jen, a big part of this is taking over your own destiny, financially speaking. I know it's scary to you. I know he always handled it because that's going to be the case for a lot of people. So you come in and you see somebody like myself or others. There's a lot of good people out there. It's not just us who will take the time to sit down with you and go over. Here's your account. Even if we're not making any money, right? That's very important. You realize that. Even if we are not being paid, we have an obligation as a financial profession to spend time with you. I don't mean six hours on a Sunday. No, no. I mean spend time to guide and direct, to educate, to point out. So if we can do that, that's what we do. We find a, you know, find a, a an easy book to read to start out. Right. So here's where I'm going with this. When you max out your 401k, that's going to reduce your paycheck. Uh-oh, what do I do? Well, very important. By sending some of that money to the future, I want you to do what's called a Roth, R-O-T-H, a Roth 401k. Now, your employer is going to do a match, it sounds like. And if they do match, they, they do put money in, you put money in, they put money in, their money has to be considered pre-tax, traditional. So, employer's money is a traditional 401k. That means you pay the tax later on. I want your contribution to be a Roth, R-O-T-H. That money goes in, and here's why that's important. Because when the Roth goes in, you will never pay taxes later on. And because your Social Security is not completely subject to income tax, only a portion of it is later on at age 70, you can make a little less money and still live a very comfortable way. Right? In fact, you could probably live better on less money when you retire because you're not going to pay payroll tax because we're going to have some money come from the Roth. So by managing that a little bit, it's, it's great. It gives you that control. So what we would do is kind of teach you a little bit. Here's the difference between a Roth and a traditional. Here's what, is a, here, here's what a mutual fund is. Here's how you, you find out, you know, where do you want to invest? What does that look like? You do some of that research. The company that you work for will provide usually a website or, or an app on your phone, and you can get in there and play with that a little bit. And Jen, this is the big picture, ready? That $780,000 might seem like a lot of money, and I know you're going to be scared. A lot of people are. But we need to separate that into a couple of different buckets, right? One of those, post-tax money, probably what you received from the house. That means post-tax money, it's already been taxed, that sits off to one side. The other money is going to be the retirement money, pre-tax, 
means you haven't paid taxes on it yet. When you take it out, you will. Okay, maybe we do, actually maybe similar to what the last gentleman did. We'll take a portion of that and put that in your employer plan. 50, maybe $100,000, depending on how much of the 780 is pre-tax money. Put it into your 401k. Here's why. Because later on, if you need to access it and borrow it without creating a taxable event, then we can borrow up to $50,000, 50% or 50000 whatever is lower. So you put money into your own 401k at work, you add money to it, you make sure your all your eggs aren't in one basket, as they say. So if you trip and fall, you don't lose everything. Okay, very important. And then the other part of it is the, the money that comes from the sale of the house, that money's already been taxed. So we'll set it aside. We want emergency dollars in case there's an emergency. Maybe we'll buy a indexed universal life insurance policy that has a long-term care feature. So if you're sick, if later on in life you need help, you need care, you can hire somebody because your concern is to not be a burden to the children. I get it. Then at least you can pay for your own care or hire your own grandchild. Okay, so there's a, there's a way or, or have pay your daughter when she comes to help or something, right? You have the, the freedom. So I might take a portion, maybe 100000 something like that, put that off into an index universal life, maybe buy a $150,000, $250,000 policy. That would give you the freedom on that side. And then once you rent for a year or two and decide what side of town you want to live, even if you want to live in this area still, right? There's, where you live is, is a large enough community where you're not going to run into him if he stays, right? You can live on the other side of town. I, I know your area well. And besides that, since he's the, uh, he's the dingbat in the story, the same friends that you have are probably going to want to be your friend and be around you and less likely to be around him. Just the way it goes. And if that's the case, well, listen, you can go and find many places to go, many places to live, many places to uh, enjoy life and kind of create, if you will, a whole new you. 63 is not, you know, super young, but it isn't old. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but you've got plenty of time to, to figure out what works for you. Plenty of time to figure out what matters to you. And you and your family can lay out the next part of your story. Here's a couple of uh, pointers. Number one, our clients are telling us single story. Buy that last home someplace you want to live. Think single story. All right. Three bedroom, two bath is a good start. Why? Because you might have room for grandchildren. You might need a home office. You might want a little home gym, whatever it might be. So at least a three bedroom so that you can have one of those places as a spare bedroom for grandchildren to come and visit. Kind of create a, a, a whole new tradition, whole new story to your life. That's important. Uh, and then the last thing is, if you ever decide to remarry, I know that's the last thing on your mind, but some of you ladies uh, and gentlemen are in different places. Consider a prenuptial agreement. It isn't just for the rich and famous. It isn't just for the fancy football players, baseball player. Uh, Hollywood uh, celebrity wife 
right? That kind of thing. It, it, it's for anybody. Anybody that has their own wealth, that wants to protect it, and wants to give it to the next generation, their next generation. Because here's what happens. If you don't build your own trust and have your own uh, prenuptial agreement, and you're married, and you pass away, your money goes to your husband. And then your husband gives it to his new wife, (laughs) or his kids, or his grandkids, from his side of the family. And all the money that you earned, or that you saved, or that you received in this inheritance, or in this... uh, in this settlement, rather, all of this goes away and your children and grandchildren from your side of the family don't get anything. So we want to protect that. So a prenuptial agreement, a really straightforward. Now, many of you ladies, I, I love it. They, I am never going to marry again. I, I'll, I'll have a boyfriend. I'll do all those kind of things, but I will never marry again. Okay, I get it. You will. You will. <laughs> I know you say never, 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 and maybe you're right. But I will tell you that the further you get away from the yuckiness, the more you find out who you are. Our clients come in. I had a gentleman the other day, 77 years old. And he comes into the office and says, Arif, you wouldn't believe it. I'm married. I said, what? How long have you been dating? He said, about eight months. I said, wow, that that seems fast. He goes, Eric, I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I said, okay. And he was married for a long time. And she passed away from an illness. And, and he said, I'm just never going to marry again. I, I can't. She was the love of my life. It was everything I could. He cried every time he th- talked to her. And it was years that she had passed. And he still got emotional. And yet, for whatever reason, this lady comes along and melts his heart. So I do want you to know that it's nice that you say that. I'm glad that you do have something that you're solid about at the moment, but just be okay. Just be okay to be open later on. And if you're not, that's fine. But if you do, prenuptial agreement, protect your money. Put the beneficiaries on your accounts currently who you want them to be. Your children, for example, Jen, Maybe you need a living trust. Now, if you don't own real estate, you probably don't need a living trust. But you are going to need parts of a living trust, which would be the health care directive. Right? A medical care directive that tells what medical conditions, uh, what they can do, what kind of treatment, on and on. Those things are very important. Right? And it can be laid out pretty clearly inside of the healthcare directive, but you need a power of attorney. Who can pay the bills when you're incapacitated? Who pays the bills, cashes the check, and on and on. All right, those are important parts. Now, you can do it all inside of a trust, make it simple. But a living trust, a revocable living trust, is mandatory if you have real estate. Even a piece of land in Mojave, right, a $5,000 acre that you bought because that was going to be the next Palm Springs. Remember? (laughs) Remember when you did that? Yeah. Or you have an apartment building or a single family home. It doesn't matter. You need a living trust, all right? Don't forget that, please. And you can get them for $3,000, $2,000, $3,500 maximum unless if you got something crazy. I've never seen them legitimately for more than that unless you have something very unique. 
So please keep that in mind. We have some great attorneys we can recommend and refer you to at least talk to and see if they are a right fit for you. Use your judgment. All right, when we come back next week, your place for news, talk, and information, send me your emails, arif at tfswealth.com. That's arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com. 888-99-RETIRE. That's how you get a hold of us. If I can help you with really reasonable, reliable retirement income, say that fast. <laughs> Thanks for being part of the show. I'm Eric Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE. You have a wonderful week. Life you dream. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.